On this episode of the Truck Show Podcast, Lightning and Holman will be speaking with Sheldon Brown, Chief Engineer of Did the Toyota Tacoma. Did you talk about us in the third person? <laughs> that was weird. Why? What's wrong with you? No, we're talking to them. I think because I was playing the part of the announcer. Lightning and Holman will be checking in with Then Sheldon. that should be Miles, our producer, not you. Oh, okay. That's really odd. Hmm. Holman says, listen to the show. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. No, well, let's just move on. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. I can, I, I can make you happy. I can, I can repair this. I doubt that, but okay. I'll bet you. All right, I'll, go for it. Shake my hand. A dollar says I, I can repair I don't know where that hand's been. It's been right, well, fist that's bump. not true. It's been all over fist, a chili dog. Fist bump me. Okay, all right, yeah, I did have a chili dog before this. So I'm going to give you a gift. So for, I was sh- doing some shopping online, and I came across this, and I thought, this is my man Holman right here. All right. Uh, he's opening a cardboard box. Yes, that a cardboard box. He's oh, pulling hold on, let me pull something out, the phone. out of ain't this. I, I ain't tight. Just move. No idea what. I have to move the phone. It's fighting out with a box. Here we go. Now I got it. Okay, here we go. This is yours. Big box. It's about the size of a shoebox. All right. It says Ben shot on it. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather not. Yep. Be no. Just, just take it and check it out. Handmade in the USA. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, look at that. It's got uh, coasters on it. All right. He's uh, digging foam. in the foam. Oh, I've seen these. These are cool. So they're uh, whiskey or bourbon uh, glasses that mm-hmm. have, this looks like an embedded 45 in it. Is that correct? So one is a 308 and one oh, is a I 45 see I see the 308 over here. So what this is, is these are that glasses cool. handmade by a father and son team. I believe they're in Wisconsin. Now, when you say handmade, they're essentially just uh, shooting things. No. <laughs> it would just, it would it would break. These are they're hand heated, they're blown heated, yeah. glasses. Awesome. Right? And they take a bullet or in the case that maybe a 10 millimeter socket and they push them in when these are molten hot. Yep. Yep. And so you have a bullet in each one of those. That's and awesome. you are a, uh, a firearms enthusiast. That's true. And it looked like this would be, a, I, I'm hoping you don't have a set of these, right? I do not have a set of these. I love the fact that these guys are making this stuff in the USA. It's just really neat quality stuff. It's, it's awesome. Um, so again, these are two tumblers, one. With a like a bullet is piercing, almost halfway through the glass. The best part about it is I can tell people that I did that. <laughs> it's, it would shatter <laughs> if you tried to do it. Well, uh, well I know you. it's not Christmas or your birthday or whatever. I just saw this and I thought, you know, it's like I'm a sucker for some Instagram ads, and uh, <laughs> I, 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 and I saw admit, these. You know what I do on Instagram with Instagram ads? Because I'm the same way. It figures out what you what they think you want. After a while, it starts serving you 45 different things of the same thing, yep. or things in the same realm. So what I do is you can open it outside of exter- you know uh, Instagram. I do that so every I do, time. Yeah, open it in an external browser, and I save it for later so that when I'm bored, I go back through those. Hold on. That is how I bought these for you. <laughs> in that, my external in a... browser through Safari later. And I thought, yeah. I, I got to get these from my man Holman. Oh, I appreciate that. Th- those are awesome. Uh, in fact, uh, do you mind if I uh, partake uh, with the glass here? Please do. So Please do. I have not touched them, so they're clean. This is my latest game. That's the that's the 308, I believe, right? Or is that's that the, the 45? 45. 45? Yep. That shows how much I know about so, bullets. So, uh, let's see. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, ooh. Some uh, Angel's Envy finished rye. Okay. So, this is uh, the uh, Caribbean rum cask finished uh, a, a, uh, Angel's Envy. All right. I'm a, I'm a big rye guy. I like my rye. There you go. I love the way that sounds when you, when you pop the... <laughs> and we'll uh, give myself a... We'll pour here, and uh, I will partake and enjoy this while we're uh, we're doing the show. So thank All you, right. lady. 
Is that how you drink? No, but I just want to. So they can hear it? Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to hear it if I drank normal. (laughs) All right, we want to thank uh, Nissan. If you guys are looking for an amazing truck, look no further than the Nissan Titan or the Frontier. I had some seat time in the uh, the Frontier that Holman's had for the last couple months, and I got to say, it's awesome. If you heard the last, I think it was on the last episode or two ago, we went into great detail about how much I really was impressed with the zero-gravity seats, uh, the utility track in the bed, the ride, the handling, its off-road prowess. I think the Frontier is one of the most underrated, amazing trucks on the market. So do yourself a favor. If you're looking for a midsize or full-size truck, go to your Nissan dealer or hit up NissanUSA.com to build and price yours. So speaking of uh, the Frontier, the reason you were borrowing it is because you took it to the uh, Banks R&D Center where you uh, were making sure you had the right uh, PIDs. We were fingerprinting it, as as Gail says. uh, Reverse safety. Yes. And so that brings me to the Pedal Monster, which is a patented pedal device that plugs into your OBD2 port. It offers active safety. It knows when you're in reverse, so it doesn't apply any of the uh, trim modifications to your pedals so that you have smooth backing up just like you do stock. And it fits... What do you have? Hundreds of applications, cars, trucks, supercars, everything, right? Most of the majors, and we're adding more all the time. So the most recently added was the Tundra and Tacoma, which have already become wildly popular. And how would I find out if the Pedal Monster has an application for the vehicle that I drive right now? Super easy. You go to bankspower.com. You type in your year, make, and model. And I also love that it's compatible with the iDash, where you can make the changes right there on your iDash screen or through the Banks app, which you can do it on your phone, which is super rad. All you got to do is head over to bankspower.com. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The Truck Show. The Truck Show, the Truck Show, whoa, oh, oh. It's the Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. <laughs> that rye is making your voice a little scratchy. Oh, no, it's clearing everything out. Is that what it's doing? Yeah. It's funny. I, I, uh, it's clearing the nasal passages? Oh, you know, I still haven't gotten the vid uh, officially anyway. I'm sure I've had it. But um, my daughter's like, Dad, you just, you don't get sick. And I hate to tell her it's whiskey and cigars. <laughs> I really hate to. I, it just kills everything? Yeah, it just kills everything. It's like Lysol. I mean, you've had it sitting across the table from me. Yeah, that's true. In a in a ten by twelve shed, and I'm still still vertical. You are impervious. Still, still living to uh, see another day. You eat the worst. You drink the worst. Uh-huh. But you're just you're not getting the vid. It's got to be. Mean, it's got to be that potion you're drinking. Uh, you know what? Oh, I love this stuff. Liquid gold right there. That's right. It's uh, liquid nutrition. It, speaking of nutrition, why don't we fortify our brains talking about Tacoma? All right, well, why don't you give our uh, our man Sheldon Brown a call, chief engineer for the Toyota Tacoma, who is making a second appearance on the Truck Show podcast. Hello. Sheldon Brown, Lightning Holman, Truck Show podcast. How you doing? Doing very well, thank you. How are you? We uh, realized that the last time you were on the Truck Show podcast was, I think, episode 19. And uh, we are on like episode 327 or 8 or something like that. He was a newbie. Yeah, we were newbies. Oh, yeah. That, that, that <laughs> yeah. Too. That too. <laughs> so it's, it's been agree. a while. It must have been like 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been 2019. I mean, we've gone through a whole global pandemic. <laughs> well, you know, it was so long, Toyota came out with a new truck, which is what we're going to talk about. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Tip your waitress. All right. We got a quick intro to play. Don't move, Sheldon. It's the Utah Drop, baby. 
It's the inside job. So, Sheldon, have you been part of a product launch that has been this anticipated? The 2024 Tacoma, in all the variants, is it's out of control. Like in the truck world, it's the biggest thing going. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. But then I have to tell you, it's an incredible honor and a privilege to work on this project. You know, it's not often that you get a chance to uh, redesign something as iconic as uh, the Toyota Tacoma, and you get to do it from on the ground up. So when we took on this project, uh, we knew uh, there was a lot of pressure uh, on, on the team to make sure that we, we got it right. So uh, we took it very seriously, but we are super excited to introduce it to the world. And, uh, you know, just recently having it go on sale in our, in our, um, our gasoline, our, our iForce models, um, we're just, we're just, we just can't wait to get it to customers and get it in their hands. I want to know how wide the net was or how long the leash was because Tacoma, the last real body in white in redesign was back in 2005. And despite being an older platform, and of course it's had many upgrades, the interior, the engine, transmissions, uh, styling, but it continued to dominate the midsize truck segment. And you could probably have this truck another five years and it would probably still dominate off of the good news and, and reputation and everybody has to have a Tacoma. But you have a thoroughly modern truck that is incredibly well optioned. You have extra trim levels. You've gone after the enthusiast. You've got a, a fully boxed frame and rear disc brakes and a lot of things that the, the market was clamoring for. Obviously, your competition has almost completely rolled over as well. It's going to be a dogfight. How much leash did you have from corporate to make the truck that you are now delivering to dealers today? Great question. And, you know, honestly, when we took a look at it, we knew that it was time for the, the, the TNGF uh, platform to, to make an appearance. And specifically, you know, we talk about TNGF. That's the, the, the next generation architecture. And uh, F-Platform was um, the last of our platforms to do it. So it's been a long time coming. Um, but you know what? We, um, we started with a plan, and it was going to be across our, our brothers, so started with uh, Tundra, Sequoia, and then obviously to Tacoma. Um, but the thing we knew about Tacoma more so than anything else was uh, we do well uh, 19 years in a row as, as the segment, uh, the volume segment leader. And, you know, as you said, uh, we recognize that there's going to be a lot of competition. And, and uh, we saw a lot of new entries coming back into the, into the segment. And we knew everybody, uh, we had the bullseye on our back. And so when we thought about it, you know, we knew that we had to take Tacoma to a special place. So I want to just point out full year 2023 midsize truck sales. At the top of that list is Toyota Tacoma with 234,768 vehicles sold. Isn't it more than like it's three times the next it's closest? It's 44.6% of market share. So the rest of that market share is spread amongst uh, the GM, uh, Nissan Frontier, uh, Gladiator, uh, Ridgeline, Ranger. And the majority of the products, actually all of the products, had, with the exception of Honda Ridgeline, uh, had a loss of 20% or more in year-over-year sales. Tacoma was only 1.1%. It ends up being like 3,000 units or something like that. To have that kind of domination as other manufacturers are rolling out their redesigned models, and that segment is getting super hot and heavy now, 
I think the demand for capability is greater than ever and what people um, are looking for, both on the luxury side. I know GMC uh, has the uh, Canyon Denali uh, that they've had on the luxurious side. You've got uh, Ranger Raptor coming out. You've got the Bison from GMC. You've all sorts of, obviously, Jeep Gladiators in there. One of the things that I noticed is you actually added additional trim to the trim walk for the new model to represent a wider swath. You guys have a, a luxury trim. You guys have a overlanding trim. You guys have a performance trim. You've got the work truck truck trim and the and the regular middle of the road trim. But you have it all, and I, I would assume that's because the market is demanding so much more now from that segment. So let's, before he answers, real quick here. So you've got the SR, the SR5, the TRD Pre Runner, TRD Sport, TRD Off Road, the Limited TRD Pro, and the Trail Runner, Trail Hunter, Trail Hunter. Thank you. How do you? I, I, I get it from your from the company standpoint for having all these trims, but how do you make it less confusing for the consumer to understand which trim is in line with what their needs are? Yeah, no, thanks. And, and that's a great question. And, um, and by the way, expertly done in terms of running through all of the, the different grades, because as we mentioned, there are quite a few of them. So we break it down pretty pretty simply. And we had a, when we looked at this product, you have to think about the compact segment. We actually um, have a pretty wide range uh, of customer demand that we need to cover. We, what we think about it in, in the entry level, um, those are customers who are extremely value-driven, um, they're looking for basic transportation. You know, many of those folks have said to us, "Hey, look, you know, I'm just looking for a truck. I don't need it to be anything special. It's 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 something. You know, I, I'm I'm happy with what we have right now, uh, and I'm looking for obviously the next generation. But um, you know, I don't need all the bells and whistles. I need basic truck transportation. And so that was really the focus of our SR5, and particularly the extra cab, um, really focusing on on optimizing uh, commonality with with the uh, the double cab. Uh, so that we could reduce the cost, reduce the development cost, reduce the tooling investment, so that we could pass that savings on. So our goal on the entry was to aggressively compete. So we knew that we had to bring in something that was still provided really good performance, still provided really good uh, product appeal, but also, um, you know, it was was a value proposition. And then the second area we kind of think of is the core, and that's the SR5, and, and I'll say the TRD. So call it a sport or an ORP, really just the kind of flavor you want. And, you know, that is where we over-index, to be perfectly honest, in the market. And our goal there was, was pretty simple. It was aggressively defend and advance the core. And that's where we were really going to bring some true value to our, to our customers. Uh, and then just simply for limited, it was, okay, let's reimagine what luxury would be in, in the compact segment. This was for a customer who really said, hey, look, you know, I want all the amenities of a full-size truck, but I needed to fit in my garage. So it wasn't about being, you know, it's about being the right size truck or the, the right truck with the right features. And so where in the past, Limited wasn't really big for us, um, we really wanted to focus on taking that to the next level. But of course, you did mention our Halo. And, you know, of course, the, the original gangster for us was the, the TRD Pro, and it still is. Yeah, <laughs> By the way, hold on, hold on. We got to so, stop right there, Sheldon. Yeah. What engineer says the original gangster? Like that is Sheldon so, Brown. That is so bad. Sheldon Brown for By Toyota. Way, I gotta say, Sheldon, I gotta stop here. So I watched like five or six videos of you and talk, walking around with uh, various YouTubers and stuff. You are freaking money. We need to hang out and have beers. Like he's just the man. He's not your average engineer. He's he's walking around like the, one of the uh, YouTubers is like he skipped over one of the interior parts and 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 Sheldon busts. He's like he's like yo 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 don't sleep on that part. Come here, come here. I'm like dude, that guy is gangster right there, Sheldon. <laughs> yo, thank you so much. Wow, well, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm, I'm in my element now. I have a I've got a face for radio, so I'm I'm in my perfect element here. So well, um, you may no, have a face for radio. We we have faces for podcasting, so it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, 
but no, the, the, the pro, we wanted to really do the pro the right way. And that was, you know, to make it focused on, you know, uh, the, the, the high speed desert racing. That's where it was born out of Baja. That was the inspiration for it. And we sort of found this concept, right? Like when you're trying to make a truck that's about light and nimble, go fast. A lot of people in the market were looking at this sort of, you know, as their go-to product for all sorts of performance. And we had really seen, and I, and I think uh, a lot of folks have been noticing, you know, from like 2017 on, just this explosion in the overlanding world. And so um, a lot of people were taking our pros and they were, you know, um, tricking them out for, for overlanding and, you know, putting on the deck racks and the tents and, you know, loading them up with gear. And when you really want to make a product that works great at doing one thing, or doing multiple things, and you start to give up on, I'll say, the edges. So, and that that was really the, the genesis for Trail Hunter. So, we to, to to make it simple and easy. Pro is go fast. Trail Hunters go far. You know, Trail Hunter is all about that inspiration. Uh, it's, it's set up for modification, for customization. Uh, we do the heavy lifting for you. We set up the suspension. We bring in all the, I'll say, the accommodations. You can use our accessories, or if you don't like that, no problem. You could use your own. Um, but the idea was it was more of a, a tactical, heavy laden sort of uh, sort of truck setup. So we really wanted to make sure that those had a unique character, and and that that was kind of the the genesis. So going back to the why did we have so many? Well, because we felt that there was a lot of different segments in the market that we could address. And so that was kind of how we came up with this lineup. So I've got to uh, admit to. Uh, being what I like to call a Goverlander. So uh, I've got a Wrangler 392, and I go on 400-mile-plus trips. That'll be four, five, six days. But I like to co- cover 100 miles in a day. So for me, I'm like, build a Tacoma, TRD Pro, all day long, because I've, I've got that suspension. And then it's like, Trail Hunter comes out, and you're going, well, look at that. And and you've got Fox shocks on one. You've got the uh, Old Man Emu Bilstein shocks on the other one, uh, both set up a little bit different. But on the Trail Hunter, you can get the longer bed on it, whereas the TRD Pro only comes with a short bed. Oh, I didn't know that. And so if you need extra gear and space, then that's the way to go. But I'm still torn, and I haven't. those models haven't been released yet, and they're, they're late availability, so they're not at your dealership yet as some of the 24s are now trickling in. But as somebody who loves the space... I've sat where I'm looking at a Trail Hunter on the left and a TRD Pro on the right. I'm going, I still don't know because there's aspects and features of both that appeal to me. I I, I really love both trucks, and I'm like, hmm. So that's going to have to be a game-time decision down the line of, of where I plant my flag. Well, let's let's go through, Sheldon, if you have a second here. Let's go through starting with engine, suspension, sure. uh, the seeds, the roof, uh, you know, tailgate, power export, all that stuff really quick, and, and, and just talk through some of these things since you've got inside you know knowledge. Yes, Holman? I was going to say, let's uh, just uh, – he, he brought up the extra cab, and yep. this is something that's really novel on the Tacoma that – most of the manufacturers in the midsize space are going to crew cab only. Tacoma says, or Toyota says with Tacoma, we're going to give you the extra cab. But it's not the extra cab that you might be used to with the jump seats in the back. There's actually no seats in the back. It's it's the, the front row. And the back is like for extra storage. Uh, perfect for a, a kid going to college who's going to have a backpack in the back or something like that. Or, or carrying you know your gear that you don't want in the dirty space of the truck. And you don't have seats back there. And at first I was like, well, that's kind of a curious decision because I remember in high school crawling into my friend's extra cabs over the seat belt and the seat mm-hmm. move forward and getting stuck on the B pillar and finally, you know, uh, sandwiching myself back there with two other dudes. And, and uh, yeah, we had three in the back. It's uh, It was a clown car. But um, I think <laughs> today's kids will never get that experience. How dare you, Sheldon Brown? 
Yeah, right. And, and uh, so that that was uh, kind of an interesting concept. So we had looked at um, the market, and I'm going back a few years, and, and the numbers are just kind of back of the napkin here. But we started started to watch the growth of the segment, and as uh, new competitors entered the segment, what we saw was uh, we weren't fighting for the same uh, market share per se. Actually, the market was expanding, so new entries would come in, and, and the market was just growing, or the segment, I should say, segment market was just growing. And the interesting part was all the growth is in the double cap. Um, basically for like three years, the, uh, access cab basically stayed stagnant. It stayed the same amount. We had about 30% of that market of just the, of the C cap market, uh, or the, sorry, the access cab market. And what we noticed, um, on that, you know, say roughly just say 30,000 units that, that we were selling there, almost 50% of those, they're, uh, choosing a rear seat delete. So it really tipped the key to us that said, Hey, people aren't really putting people back there. They're putting things back there. They're putting, you know, storage goods um they want you know a little bit of dry storage plus they get the the benefit of the short wheelbase with the long deck right the six foot deck so that's where we really focused and said okay we need to do something to really drive value we need to get as much of the cost out and uh to be perfectly candid you know developing an entirely new cab with uh, the suicide doors and 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 the structure that needs to go into the roof and into the b pillar well without the b pillar the, the door area uh including the rocker to transfer some of the new you know crash loads is going to be a lot of investment and a lot of development so we thought is there a way that we could do this a little bit better so we kind of took a, a page out of the old school and we looked at like the original b cab and that was, you know, if you think about it, it was just the, the, the two-door, but two seats, nothing in the back. And so our idea behind that, we called it B-Max. That was an internal development code. And it was a B-Cab with maximized storage. And so we, we looked to some, you know, some old technology that, uh, you know, from, uh, for example, the coupes where, you know, the driver's seat, you can uh, quick flip and it slides forward and tilts and the, the seat indexes forward. And then you can push it right back and it, it has the, the seat memory. But that allows you to get a little bit more access um, to that back area behind the driver. And then on the passenger side, we went back to like an old school full flat seat where, you know, when a lot of folks were using these, you know, in, for work environments. So, you know, maybe you've got your, your laptop or you've got your, uh, your uh, contractor pad or something like that that you want to put up there. Fold it over, you got some flat desk space. You can uh, put different uh, things in that uh, seat. It's ultimately configurable. And then in the back, you know, we were sort of inspired by the, the sort of uh, garage pegboard. You know, people that wanted to put gear that they're not going to use every single day, but, you know, they wanted to have it with them. They wanted to be able to close it up. Uh, make sure that it was out of sight, you know, and um, and then especially in the in the lower stores, we wanted to make sure it was lockable. I don't know about you guys, but uh, a bunch of times, you know, you get out of work, maybe you head right to to meet some folks for for a drink after work or something like that, and you got your laptop, your backpack, or something like that. You're going to park on the street, you know, you just want a place where you can tuck it, throw it in, lock it up, keep it out of you know out of out of sight so that you don't tempt anybody. Um, and so those are sort of the, the use cases that we looked at for this, and um, that was really how we we wanted to reimagine it, and we thought that there was still a really strong um, uh, segment of the market that was really looking for that smaller cabin, but that longer deck and in the exterior, the six foot deck was the priority with the short wheelbase. I'm just looking at it to put my sub box back there. I got to be honest. You got a you. lot of room for one. I got to I'm going to put two 15s back there. I'm just going to. I think you do two 18s. You could Weak do sauce. 18s. Yeah, Weak right. sauce. Yeah, that's true. I don't, is anyone doing 18s? Mostly it's like two 10s back there, you know? <laughs> Come but on. You're right. Well, you're, well, when have you ever been yeah. everybody? <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go through. Uh, Lightning has a list of sort of the componentry, so let's j- jump through uh, yeah. sort of feature sets, and then uh, you can walk us through kind of maybe the decisions and and why you did something here or didn't do something there, or maybe uh, describe in greater sure. detail. So, uh, so I, I want to start with the engine configuration in the TRD Pro. You've got one option, which is the Mac Daddy, the iForce Max. 
which with a whopping 465 pound feet of torque and all kinds of amazing features with it. But the, let's go backwards from all the way from the SR. What are our options up through the TRD Pro? Yeah, sure. So um, starting at the SR, um, that is where we'll um, introduce what we are calling our um, our iForce, but it's our detuned version of the iForce. So it's still the L4 Turbo with the 88-speed automatic transmission. It's 228 horsepower at 6,000 RPM, about 400, sorry, 240 uh, pound-feet of torque at 1,600 RPM. And again, uh, lining that up with the value proposition, uh, minimizing the amount of development, maintaining and carrying over a lot of the engine componentry right, that we do the investment in, uh, to get a very technical, a lot of the, the whirly bits, they become expensive. Um, but what we wanted to do is, uh, if you can overall um, reduce the total um, peak torque and, and the peak power output, um, oftentimes um, as a system, not just the engine itself, but as the total vehicle system, you're able to reduce the uh, amount of uh, remediation uh, that you need for things like uh, noise, vibration, harshness, for, for heat rejection. Um, so that means we can we can downsize those systems a little bit, and we can actually take some hardware out and really pass that savings along to the customer. So that was the that was the cool. That's why we wanted to have an, an entry level powertrain. From there, you go to like the SR five grade, uh, and then and then our I'll say our core uh, TRDs. Um, you get the uh, iForce engine, and you talked about that. That's the 278 horsepower. Uh, 6,000 RPM, um, maybe most importantly, 317 pound-feet of torque at 1,700 RPM. Um, you pair that with our, our eight-speed automatic transmission, and really this just is, uh, it's got all kinds of go. Um, it's a great uh, motor transmission uh, pairing. Uh, we were really able to focus in on something that we call drivability. When we looked at our outgoing uh, truck, you know, one of the foibles or some of the concerns that we had, some folks at Hagen when we were paired uh, with the, uh, when we were paired with our six-speed, they love the they love the motor, but um, you know it wasn't producing horsepower. You didn't get that torque until you get into some of the higher RPM, and uh, they felt like it gear hunted a bit. And so we really wanted to make sure that we had drive force across the entire drive range. And really, the eight speed really allows us to really, uh, I'll say, make small short uh, steps between the gears, so that we can make sure that we're producing lots of torque at that 1700 RPM, and then we can match it very very closely with the gear. So great uh, overall, uh, what we call gradeability. That's the ability for it to go up a hill without shifting uh and around six percent which means you know just about any uh, u.s highway you can you can pull that grade uh without ever having to shift so really that was core to the new development here sheldon let's pause for one second here how did you get the torque that low down to 1700 rpm that that's diesel territory it is and and honestly that's the of course the turbo and when we looked at um sizing our turbo you look at two different things you know a lot of times Big numbers, catalog numbers are what sell our, our trucks. So a lot of folks, um, you know, may focus on the larger turbo. Uh, we didn't want to necessarily make the biggest turbo. We wanted to make what I'll tell you I think is the right size turbo. And so we really focused on on performance and, and really um, response is what we were looking at. So we wanted to make sure that we had our, our twin school turbo that um, spooled up really quick and really got us up and in, in, in running very, very quickly in terms of, of the torque response. So that was the number one way to do that. And so um, rather than going for a slightly larger turbo with slightly larger horsepower numbers, we really focused on, on response. And the manual is available with which configuration? Uh, it's actually available in, in, in our SR grade, uh, and it's also available in our TRD Sport and ORP. So it's with our, with our iForce um, engine. I've driven the automatic version. I haven't driven the manual yet, mm-hmm. but man, a TRD mm-hmm. off-road with a stick—that'd oh, be fun. Oh 
yeah. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, that would be I would be amazing. Before we move on to uh, the the iForce uh, Max Max engines, uh, I wanted. What was the decision for the manual? Did you feel like the the take rate was high enough to justify the inclusion of that? Everybody else is going away from that. Obviously, Toyota owners, especially the ones that go all the way back to the early '80s. Uh, the Toyota manual is legendary in that truck, and it's always been a part of the truck. Are there just those customers who don't want you to take that shift knob out of their uh, hands unless they're dead and cold, or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you're, you're kind of hinting at it. Um, it was really for the performance enthusiast. Um, a lot of times, you know, when we started thinking about uh, the manual transmission, it just, I, I've had two of them. You know, I always tell everybody, why wouldn't you buy it? You get 50% more. Uh, 50% more pedals. I mean, what a great deal that is. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, who doesn't buy out for that, right? No, but it's just, it's, it's something that brings that third dimension to off-road. It, and then if you do enjoy driving, especially in our sport, um, we obviously uh, felt like that customer is lined up and that customer um, is ready for something like that. And that's something that they really want. And to be, if, if I'm being perf- perfectly honest with you, uh, it was it was a little bit of a battle, um, but we really felt that it was something that was uh, important because, as you mentioned, uh, it, we've had it in the lineup forever. Uh, once you know that thing goes away, it's probably never coming back. Unfortunately, uh, the demand rate is not super high. Um, we saw about six percent last year. We're hoping to, to bump that up a little bit because uh, you know we're we're kind of one of the last uh, last there to have it. Um, but again, we wanted to not just uh, bring that new tur- or new, new that that new that manual and just sort of you know dump it in the truck. We wanted to bring some new technology to it as well. So you know we did a couple of things I think to really uh, refine it and make the the drive experience a little bit more exciting. So on, on the clutch side, you know if you if you drove the old one. Everything was pretty heavy, and um, we had the uh, hydraulic clutch accumulator um, that was there to sort of uh, isolate vibration, et cetera. But the one thing that sort of it sort of numbed the experience, and the throw wasn't always consistent. So uh, we got rid of that. Um, I wanted to make sure that every time you know you release that clutch, you knew right where it was going to engage. Especially when you're off road, you're in a tight situation. Right? You don't want to be like waiting to try to feel where that clutch is. You want to know every time that it's going to come out. And so some people are like, "Oh, it's a little bit high in the clutch throw." Yeah, once you get used to it, it's in the same location every single time. So that was important. And then we also offered the IMT2 technology, uh, which is the intelligent manual transmission, which has the uh, anti-stall feature as well as the auto rev matching. And um, it's great for uh, that day, you know, when you don't feel like uh, rolling the gears, uh, you're coming back from work or something like that, you've been a long day and you just kind of want to kind of mail it in. It's really nice. It just kind of helps you and it makes life a little bit easier. And then, uh, you know, it's great for anybody who's uh, just learning how to drive a, a manual transmission because that anti-stall is really helpful and uh, it just makes it a, a more enjoyable experience. If you don't like it, no problem. You don't have to turn it on, but it's there for you if you need it. How does the, the rev matching work? Uh, so actually, um, it's a similar technology that we have, for example, if, if you've driven uh, a Corolla uh, manual. But basically, as you start to uh, release the clutch, then it looks at the, the gear uh, the, the gear throw position, and then it basically will decide and, and basically blip the RPM for you. There's actually a little man inside your transmission, <laughs> and he has a direct line to the mm-hmm. throttle, I and he just, pulls the he cable. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, I have a feeling that may not be true. No, no, no. Uh, so then let's <laughs> no. let's let's get into the iForce Max and hybrid technology. Sure. So we saw it first with the Tundra, and yep. we said, okay, well, this is clearly going to go into the Tacoma. And then you announced that it would be. I'm wondering. You can't say probably necessarily what the take rate will be. But ultimately, I'm curious how, how it will be adopted. It's got much better performance, which you'll explain in a moment. I think it's a big deal for a truck to be offered well, in a so, hybrid. So it's basically being 
overlaid on the the high trim levels, mm-hmm. and it's the only option. So I don't, you know, I think take rate is going to be whatever high. those trims are, right? right? Whereas, you know, sometimes you'll be able to choose your engine. This is a non plug in hybrid, so this is very similar to the setup in the Tundra, except the Tundra's a V6 versus this being a four cylinder. And this engine is actually going to proliferate in a lot of places uh, as it's already been announced going into the uh, upcoming Land Cruiser as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So this is this is strategic across the entire, also truck lineup, the global truck lineup. And um, we're using the identical motor, identical battery uh, that Sequoia and Tundra use, right? And so we're basically now sandwiching this uh, this motor generator in between the L4 turbo and between the HD transmission. So obviously we had to make some adjustments to the bell housing, et cetera, to make sure that those work uh, versus from the 10AT to the AAT. But ultimately, yeah, we're using um, that to, it's really a performance-based uh, hybrid. And what we really love about it, um, we talked about it, 326 horsepower, Probably the most amazing thing is the 465 pound feet of torque at 1700 RPM. So this thing has just got gobs and gobs and gobs of torque. And it just, it, it, it's right there. It, it comes in immediately. That's the great part about the, the electric motor. I mean, before that turbo even has a chance to think about spooling up, you're, you know, you're getting all this torque coming in, uh, being supplied directly from the motor. Are you basically using the motor to fill in the gap ahead of the engine basically coming up online, and that way it smooths out the driving experience? It, it, well, it surely does. Absolutely. It, it, it basically uh, helps fill in the gap in front of the build uh, of the torque curve. Obviously, it then extends the peak. And then on the back end, when we start to ramp off, it still fills in on, on the back side of that as well, on the back end of the torque curve. So that's how we're using it to assist and to uh, effectively drive performance. Now, the great part that we always talk to people about this is some people will say, oh, well, you know, I, it doesn't get our traditional hybrid uh, fuel economy. And, and that's true because it is the, just this one motor um, motor generator that's used for this performance side. But the great part is very few times you can move and get like a V8 power with L4 uh, fuel economy um, with, you know, incredible SUBAB 30 emissions, right? So you get more power, better fuel economy, and, you know, you're going to get incredible emissions performance. So put it together, it's, it's actually a pretty good deal. And you got to remember, we're putting these in all of our premium, or all what I would say is our heavier trucks, right? So our pros and trail hunters, these are lifted. Um, they got big tires on them. Um, you know, the ORP runs a 33-inch tire on that vehicle. So, again, all these um, these things are actually would have, you know, dramatically diminished your general fuel economy, but we're actually getting better fuel economy. Everybody out there who wanted to put a V8 in it, how about an L4 with V8 power? I would also argue that for people who are going to modify, having the motor in there is probably going to be helpful for, for lessening the uh, fuel economy drop-off that you would get by, you know, putting bigger wheels and tires and all that. And it should be, I would imagine, to a point fairly aftermarket friendly from the standpoint of having the the electric motor sandwiched between the trans and the engine allows everything downstream of the output shaft to be just like every other Tacoma. So when suspension's being developed or uh, anything driveline related downstream, there's not going to be anything weird. There's not going to be a, a you know an on-wheel motor, on-axle motor, or something that you have to solve for. It's going to be able to be modified and upgraded just like a, a regular non-hybrid Tacoma, which I think is going to uh, help with adoption because the aftermarket is going to be able to make products that everybody can use regardless of what powertrain you have. Portals! Portal axles! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you could use portal axles. Yes, Lightning. Exactly. <laughs> 
completely agnostic to, to, to that drive line. You're exactly right. So that's whatever you're doing to, to most of the areas. The big issue is just you got to manage the torque because it puts out a lot of torque, right? So we, we just to, just to manage this, we bump you up to the what we call the BD24X. So that's the that's a common uh, axle housing that we use with, uh, or I should say, differential that we use with uh, with the Tundra. The axle housing itself is is obviously unique to Tacoma based on the the width of the, the wheelbase, etc. But uh, or sorry, the uh, the tread width, but the um, the rear differential is uh, slightly different gear pack, but basic same design. So yeah, we're running like you know a nine and a half inch rear diff in there, and it's uh, which is sizable on a mid-size yeah, product. Power, so yes, it is. It's uh, it's uh, it's large to quite large. So I guess I was going to save it to the end, but it makes sense since we're talking about the engine and and the the electrification. There is the offloading of power by stepping up into the iForce Max. You're now at several thousand watts. I think isn't it like 2,400 watts of output, which is basically like a 20 amp circuit, both available in cab and in the bed. Is that correct? You got it, spot on. Yes, sir. And I think one of the things you'll like about this as well uh, is that you can use that uh, while you're driving, while it's in park, etc. So. Uh, on the outgoing model, if you remember, like the 400-watt uh, in, um, inverter that we had in the deck. While you were parked or the, or the vehicle was in neutral, it was a 400. And during running, it would typically drop to 100 watts. But we keep 2,400 consistent. So it's uh, if you're running a fridge, for example, as you're, as you're rolling to the, your, your next spot or something like that, you want to you know, keep things cool, uh, no problem. If you want to charge something up while you're, while you're rolling, no problem at all. So 2,400 watts all the time. Obviously, the engine's got to be on. But, um, yeah, it's great. Great for... Uh, I think it's, you know, we wanted to do something that was significant. You know, you can run just about anything you're going to need. Um, you know, it's not, you're not going to run an entire power station out of that, but that's not really how a lot of most folks use this particular product. So this is really, again, focused on that overlanding, um, that sort of, you know, tailgater, uh, you're looking for some power. Uh, but like you said, it's a 20 amp fuse or a 20 amp, uh, uh, 120 volt system back there. So yeah, it works pretty good. So we can use my blender for margaritas. That's all I care about. And a TV. And the TV. Exactly. A, bit, a big screen TV right. at it, by the way. That's right. So then let's move on to suspension. And it's unmistakable when you're looking at the TRD Pro and the Trail Hunter, the forged machine aluminum upper control arms. And there's a lot more beyond that, but that's a nice piece of jewelry. And you could And done... it really is jewelry. I mean, you look at it looks very much like something you would buy from some of the aftermarket performance race shops. Except it's a TRD with tooling marks on it and, and oh, by the way, aluminum. I mean, it's, it's couple, really cool. A couple of Easter eggs, apparently, on uh, the upper that's control right. arms. That's yes. right. I thought, thought it was kind of cool. We won't tell you what those are. You're going to have to go and look for them. Talk us through the suspension from... Uh, from the upper control arms all the way to the outboard shocks to the fact that you have two different rear suspension designs. So much going on with this platform. Mm-hmm. It's not like one design or one configuration that you are using for everything. You actually have different things on different products, which I thought was pretty uh, pretty novel and amazing in this price point, in this size of class of truck, that there are that many options. Yeah, thanks for, uh, and you guys are really picking up on all, all the all the important features here. So the TNGF platform I talked about, when we, when we developed that, that was meant to, to work across, you know, everywhere from the, the Land Cruiser 300 that was on sale globally, uh, and we were going to use that same uh, basic frame 
I'll say uh, width, if you will. So the ladder frame construction is basically the same. The side silhouette of the, of the main frame rails is going to be the same. And then we are effectively going to adjust it in the center. We would be able to change the, the length to adjust for the different wheelbases. And that was kind of how we, we developed that. Um, we could optimize and maximize, again, um, all of our components. It allows for great sharing of, of product across our, our, our truck lines. Uh, I think we tried to demonstrate that when we went to, to SEMA and we, we showed our proof of concept X-Runner where we were taking it to Tacoma, it's kind of slammed it to the ground and, um, and used a lot of tundra components. But the, the purpose on, on Tacoma then was to make sure that uh, we could gauge the frame to the right size. So we, we recognize that we don't have to have the same uh, thickness across the board. So that's where we utilize our tailor welded blanks to adjust for that. Then, of course, you know, when we look at the, the midsize, you talked about how do you take Tacoma to the next generation, right? How do you, pro you know, progress it? And so that was really when we went to that uh, multi-link rear suspension where we thought that we could really differentiate ourselves um, from all of our competitors and really bring all of that lateral stability that is sort of inherent to that, that design uh, and bring it to the, to the compact segment. And so we really bring that from basically SR5 grade um, all the way up. Uh, we, we focus on that. Um, but I, I mentioned again how we wanted to aggressively compete. So one of the things that we took back in, in North America is we said, how can we how can we bring some more cost out of this? These springs are great. I'm not going to – they're a great suspension. Obviously, you don't get the same sort of lateral performance. You're asking the leaf to do a bunch of different things, whereas, you know, each of those links has a very specific uh, duty in mind, right, in terms of whether it's, you know, stabilizing the axle in a specific direction or, or, or area of motion where the leaf is having to accommodate all that. So you just – you can't get the same uh, overall performance out of a leaf. It's being asked to do many things. But again, uh, for those folks who are looking for just a very uh, basic truck, this is, looks like a truck, sounds like a truck, drives like a truck, I'm good. You know, we wanted to pass that along. So really, the, a great uh, credit goes to our chassis team who really looked at it really, uh, really hard and said, hey, what if we did this? Um, obviously, we had to remove the coil seats and things of that nature, but effectively, we, we welded on uh, a, a hanger spring. Now, critical to us was, or I should say a hanger bracket, critical for this was uh, for us to make sure that we maintain the same ride height and the same posture so that we could, you know, get the rest of the vehicle development the same. And so what they did was they basically flung that spring under the axle. Uh, and then simply using uh, a secondary punch, we have another uh, hole in the frame where we can um, have the other uh, axle bushing, or sorry, spring bushing. And so uh, that was how we, we put it together. And we thought that uh, for very little investment, we could bring some of the cost out and provide what I would say is a more traditional truck suspension lineup for that, that entry grade truck. Um, but with I was saying that, the great part is with the new, with the overall new frame, uh, with, the, with the amount of rigidity that we brought to this frame, even this, this leaf uh, really uh, is a step up from, from the outgoing model. So if you haven't had a chance to drive it, I certainly encourage you to. That's a whole lot of fun, especially in our pre-runner variation, which, which, which runs that, um, that axle, or sorry, that uh, suspension configuration. Um, on the corners, you guys brought it up. Obviously, we're using the Fox. That's, that's sort of been signature, our partnership with Fox in, in, in the pros. That's where we're using the QSD, the Quick Switch 3, uh, which has um, basically uh, piggyback reservoirs uh, in both the front and rear. And we're using those uh, together with our hydro jump stopper in the back to really deliver uh, great off-road performance. So switch position one is, is a little bit more relaxed. It's meant for on-road, um, helps you take up some of the, the bumps and gives you a little bit more compliance. Still gives you some uh, non-linear, I'll say, compression. Uh, characteristic, but if you really want to dial it up when you're going off-road, you, you click it over to three and, and you really have um, a lot more 
uh, compression uh, in, in that system. So it's a it's a really cool system. We talked about Albanian, kind of a similar similar situation there. This one is a little bit more uh, focused on on road with a nice uh, linear on road zone, using the end stop control when we're when we're heavily weighted, uh, and making sure that uh, we, we we stop you from bottoming out and getting into into the stops too quickly. Our ORP, honestly, I don't know that anybody else has it, but we have monitor Bilstein end stop control with piggyback reservoirs. It's just a, it's a great suspension. It's a great, uh, it's a great shock. And uh, overall, we're able to provide incredible on-road performance. Uh, you, the first time I drove it, to be perfectly honest, with you, I went back to the team and said, I want to prove this too. And until we have a chance to drive it off-road, it just feels too good on-road to be, to be any good off-road. And, and they, they were, they proved me wrong. They did an, an excellent job. That's funny that you so, tried to call him out in I'm advance. Good. He's like, there's no way this is going to work in both on and off-road. They're like, oh yeah, we got you. Well, I, I've had a chance to drive it. Yeah. I'll tell you, it, it, it drives awesome the uh the off-road package is really nice i feel i feel like we glossed over so he's talking about the fox qs3 switchable shocks and one of the videos i was watching you just get under the front at the bottom of the shock mount like inboard of the uh lower control arm that's where it's switchable so easily accessible it's like you didn't have to pop the hood or anything you just bend down click 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 done you've made the adjustment i thought that was pretty slick and it's nice because you don't have too many adjustments, mm-hmm. right? It's easy to, in like a bypass yep. shock or something like that, where there might be 10 settings, it's easy to upset the suspension and get lost in where you are. Three makes it easy. You're either on the left position, the middle position, or the right position. What's your point? You know, we some folks are probably going to be, you know, depending on how fast they're going, they may be airing down a little bit if they're going to be going in front. So while you're down there, boom, like you said, click it over. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's pretty much that easy. And that upper control arm, uh, it's actually made by our uh, same groups that uh, our TA racing uh, group. So same folks that are uh, machining uh, the engines uh, for our race, uh, our race cars are uh, also making those parts for us. And uh, you know, it's a little bit overlooked. It's, it's lighter, it's stronger, but you know, it also gives you about an additional half an inch of, uh, of clearance and droop um, because we're able to get more strength with, uh, with less section. So it is a functional, not not just truck jewelry, but actually a functional component in the, in the system configuration on Pro and Trailhunter. Uh, the TRD Pro is three inches wider. Is that correct? Three inches wider than the SR5. Okay. I'm sorry, actually, excuse me. It's three inches wider than the 24-mile SR5, about six inches wider if you're going back to the previous generation uh, SR5. Which is wide. Six, six that's, a, that's a lot. Holy That's macro. like a mid-travel kit yeah. upgrade on a current truck, basically. Yeah. That's as wide as a Toyota yeah. Corolla uh, tire. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And, and honestly, it's, it's great. I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of the core tenants of the new truck, right? We said people wanted garage ability. They wanted us to keep the bumper to bumper the same. We did. Um, while we got wider in our tread width, about three inches wider from SR5 to SR5, um, we decided that we wanted to we wanted to keep the door to door the same. So as you're getting in and out of the truck, it, you know you still have the ability to open that door in the garage. So that was a really important tenant. And then we were talking suspension. I just wanted to say you know that was one of the things I think um, you know was one of the things that we really wanted to do in development for these different grades. You know historically when we've had the different grades, we, we tend to kind of. It, it's easy to kind of push everything to the middle, right? We want everything to be really great on road and to be really quiet and to be, really, you know, supple, but not, you know, but still perform okay. And we, we took a very different approach uh, when we said, if we're going to have this many grades of truck, we need to give each one its identity and we have to remain true to that identity. So sport is very much tuned to be an on-road truck. 
yeah, you still get articulation. Sure, you can take it off road, but it, it, it's 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 tuned is really for for on road performance. Off road is you had a chance to drive. Um, still going to treat you well on road, but again, it, it's really focused on that high energy stuff that you get off road, uh, and that sort of I'll say that secondary uh, input isolation. And then um, the same thing goes for like limited with the with the um, adaptive variable suspension that we use there. We really focused on making sure that it was plush. And we took the comfort, I'll say, to the to the sport, and we really just widened um, those bars. We just pushed them to the corners, and so we wanted to be really, really soft and really, really firm. And then, of course, we had that uh, that bandwidth to, to basically adjust as we're as we're feeling the, the road inputs in between. So that was really important to us that we had this very unique point of view. And I think if you have a chance to drive the different grades, you can sort of experience that as you move from the SR5 and the Leaf, and then you move into the, uh, or sorry, the SR and the Leaf to the SR5, then you move into the TRD. It's no longer, it's not just a wheel, tire, and sticker package. You're getting performance tuning, you're getting specification, and, and you're getting hardware. Uh, and that's the value that maybe not all the customers see immediately, but there's really important things as you walk through these grades um, that we try to make sure that uh, we're providing value. So just an example of that, um, we talked about like the, um, the front half shafts, the CV joints. We're using, um, you know, when you move the TRD, you get a high angle, um, a high torque spline design. So that allows us to go from 26 degrees to 31 degrees, but more importantly, when it's completely bound or it's at one of these, you know, t- uh, the, the complete, um, you know, high angles at 31 degrees, it's designed for that, that big torque uh, element. So if you're off-road, you're rock crawling, et cetera, those are things that maybe underneath the skin you don't immediately see, but we did a lot to make sure that, that those TRD performance packages are, you know, they're, they're, they're really based on more than just a different sticker package or a different wheel and tire. Trail Hunter, I thought it was interesting that you have the uh, Old Man Emu uh, Bilstein collaboration underneath that truck, and you didn't just say, hey, here's the overlanding sh- vehicle, and we put the same Fox shocks that are on the regular one. The other thing is there's a sway bar disconnect, which I think is becoming – Sort of in in these adventure vehicles, like a a must have in feature content when people are comparing specs across different platforms. And then there's a few things that you did with that truck that I thought were kind of cool, not regarding the suspension, but the Trail Hunter has a turned down exhaust tip ahead of the rear axle for clearance, which I thought was one of those right. cool things you just don't see the OEs doing much. Yep, um, yeah, exactly right. So the, the stabilizer our disconnect, that was really you know, going to be important. Just we knew we were making the frame a little bit more rigid. We still wanted to give you the ability um, to have that great articulation. And, you know, a lot of off-roaders, um, you know, they're, they're fortunate that choice. I'm either going to remove my, my, front, um, my front sway bar and, you know, it's going to be a little bit uh, brutal on the, on the highway and on the, I'll say, the drive to and from the, 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 the trail. Um, or you're going to have to, you know, deal with the loss of suspension articulation when you're on the trail. And so we thought, well, you know, this is one of those things where, as an OE, um, this is what I would tell you is, is the more heavy lifting type of thing, right? We can we can integrate that into our design electronically. Disconnects, it'll disconnect under load, um, so you don't have to, you know, necessarily be, uh, you know, on flat ground or anything like that while you're driving two wheel drive, four wheel drive, four low. It's up to about, I think, uh, 20-ish miles an hour before it'll auto-reconnect for you. But, yeah, it, it's great, and it really improves the, the articulation. And, you know, you don't always think about it, but when, you're allow, when you allow that uh, front to basically loosen up, you really allow that, that back to droop and you get the, the full twist. And so where we have a slightly more rigid frame, uh, where we may have had a little bit more compliance uh, on, on the old truck, which you know led to uh, more, I'll say, less body control for for on-road performance. Uh, we can really make up for it that with that front stabilizer disconnect. 
Sheldon, I, I saw one of you in one of the videos. You said that not only do you gain four inches of travel by disconnecting the front sway bar, you can also disconnect it electronically from in the cab while you're fully bound up on a rock. Exactly right. So it'll it'll completely unlock now. In the full full bound condition, there is an occasion where there's enough uh, prevailing sort of stress on it. It won't um, it won't release. But all you have to do is just roll that truck just a little bit, and you'll hear it go pink and it'll pop open, and yeah, she'll flex right out there for you. So while we're talking about the premium uh, things, and I, I know we don't want to keep you uh, until uh, tomorrow, but we will try, um, is the isodynamic can't, wait, seats wait, can't, can he in just the spend the night Pro. with us? He can. I mean, okay. I don't think he wants to. But the seats are another thing where you guys said, let's find a novel technology that's going to improve the vehicle experience. And you took some of this racing technology in your seats and put those in the TRD Pro. I think everybody is super curious how they work. What does it do for the driver? I, I'm hearing a lot less fatigue, even in the little bit of amount that it helps to absorb. So maybe walk us through that a little bit, because that's one of the biggest questions I've been getting from, let's say, people on the street. Hey, have you seen the new Tacoma? Tell me about those seats. For some reason, the seat is like this massive talking point, and we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about There's it. There's no one seen bionics in seats before. It's a little bit novel, right? So um, I, I'm going to say about 10 years ago, Lexus came out with something that they, that they it was a proof of concept that they demonstrated, and they called it the kinetic seat. Uh, and it was a seat that was uh, sort of a futuristic looking, you know, sort of web-based seat that was, was designed for uh, basically reducing driver fatigue. And uh, the, the the engineers came over and they showed it to us and said, what do you think? And we thought, man, it's really great. But you're like, hmm, I just don't know where we're going to apply it. So when we were kind of thinking through what did we want to do um, to really take pro to the next level, we looked at it and said, well, we like where their head is at on this. We wanted to change it up a little bit. And so what this actually does is it, it runs off of there's basically a front um, – uh, in the front of the seat, there's basically a pivot. So think of it like a like a swivel uh, point. Then we have uh, effectively at the headrest uh, and in the top area, there's a sort of superstructure that we have, and it basically has a, a spring-loaded uh, pivot ball joint there as well. And what it, what this thing does is it has uh, two, I'll say, shocks, if you will, um, that are uh, in the vertical direction and then two in sort of the horizontal direction. Don't think of it in shocks in the terms of, of displacement, but think of it as really basically trying to counteract the force. They're basically trying to keep that seat centered. So when you go through and you get these high G, whether it's uh, the, the input is vertical or lateral or a combination of both, this seat is all these different shocks are working together to basically try to minimize the amount of um, sway that you get between, for example, your hips, uh, your spine, and your head. Ultimately, the goal is to stabilize that big melon on top of We got these big, like, eight-pound, or I don't even know how many pounds. You know, <laughs> Lightnings is about 40 pounds. How floor. dare you? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, we really want to keep your eyeballs straight. You need so the isodynamic plus seats. I do. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's all brain, though. It's all brain. <laughs> <laughs> But what, uh, you want to keep your eyeballs straight, right? And that's, you see it in performance sports, right? You see people downhill skiers, et cetera. The body's moving, but the head stays perfectly straight and you're, you're focused. And that was the concept. How do we stabilize that upper body so that we, the, the driver can spend more of their time focused on the inputs uh, of what they're doing? And then the secondary, of course, is since you're not always trying to counteract that with your, with your body, that's where you really see the fatigue reduction. And we can see that uh, the input loads that go into the occupant as well as uh, overall, we do a lot of eye trace when people are running off-road uh, for with and without, so we can lock those out. Right? We can lock out vertical. We can lock out um, horizontal. When we actually look at that, we can see that the, that the, uh, the amount of eye movement um, is significantly less. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, like on a trail, run it two times, you know, fresh, uh, never run the trail before, run it two times back-to-back. Everybody runs at 10, 15 mile an hour faster just because 
they're really getting to the point where they're not, you know, feeling that 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 getting thrown all over the truck. They're able to really focus on what they're doing and allow the the mechanics of the truck to to take care of them. So it's I, I really encourage you to get out there and try it. It's 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 hard to describe. It's much better to experience, but. Yeah, that's, that was sort of the genesis. And the great part is we're just using like a, a kind of a traditional, like something you might see like in a mountain bike where we, you can air them up. So based on how much movement you'd like, based on, you know, different occupant mass, you can adjust that. And so it's got that's a little a, small pump. That, that was a polite way of Sheldon and, saying fat guys yeah. like us, <laughs> more pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, right there with you, brother. <laughs> but uh, no, and people have a different, you know, people have a different level of, of, of input. And, the same thing goes for like different, you know, input loads. It's different between rock crawling and maybe running and running fast in the desert, right? The, the amount of, uh, the amount of compression that you want could be different. So very adjustable. You have an app that comes right in your phone. Uh, it can, it gives you all the, the pressure recommendations and then, you know, you can play with it and decide what you like. And if you, if you say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not too interested. Like I said, there's two little uh, valves in the back. You just turn them 90 degrees and, and, and you shut it off. It's, it's air over oil. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. I guess in the uh, the challenge of of trying to get as much information now as possible, Lightning has a quick hit list, so he's going to run through uh, one at a time, a couple or a few options down the list. Well, <laughs> while we're talking about the interior, so I'll go from seats to stereo. As you know, I'm I'm a geek and I I love JBL, so I have JBL monitors at work. Talk me through. The system JBL has been with Toyota for a while, but the new center speaker right where you'd hear the singer of the band coming out center stage on the dashboard is removable. That's a, it's called a flex speaker. If I'm not mistaken, not only is it removable, you can daisy chain it with all your friends, flex speakers around the campsite. Because we know all you Tacoma guys like to run together. So they do, there right? There will be more than one. So that is super cool. And what I found really interesting is I thought that's novel. It's great, except it's got to have some kind of a lithium-ion battery in it because it's removable, right? Take it to the campsite. Uh-oh. When I go to Lake Havasu and it's 120 degrees outside and it's 155 degrees inside my cabin while I'm on the boat on the water and my truck's over on the dock, sitter, you know, on the, uh, in the launch ramp waiting for me to get back, it's boiling in there. What happens to that lithium-ion battery? And I, I heard you mention that there had been some heat testing to make sure that that was not going to expand and I'm going to end up with a tacoed battery. So you, you hit it on the head, right? So we, we pair that as part of our, our total 10-speaker system. Uh, and uh, the, the great part about it was I really appreciate um, having a nice stereo and a nice sound system in your truck. And, and so we wanted to make sure when we were going to bring the JBL system, it was going to be uh, tuned and have the power output that we're really, really looking for. So you have really good performance. Uh, we pair that whole system with a, with a ported subwoofer that's uh, in the back of the truck, ported to the exterior, so you get maximum boom. And um, the center channel is really, we talked about having something, you know, again, Tacoma was a lifestyle truck for us. We, we called it our, you know, our, our um, ultimate uh, adventure machine. And so we knew that people, we, we wanted the experience on the road out there. Uh, you can take it right from the cabin and bring it to the campfire. And and that was the, the genesis of saying, okay, we want to have this removable speaker. Now we've seen other folks come in with a, with a portable speaker. But my point was that I don't want to be carrying around this big mass. I want something that's going to you know, work, work with me while I'm in the cabin. 
So the IP instrument panel was certainly not the best location in terms of heat load, um, but it was the best location in terms of having something that was actually functional and actually contributes to the overall sound um, the sound stage. And it is really great because you have your you've got your your tweeters in, in the A pillar, then you've got your center channel, and it just gives you this totally full uh, sound stage. Uh, you can hear all the different uh, instruments, and you get the depth of sound that you're looking for. So really, uh, really great tune on it. Now the trick to that was how to get over the heat, especially sitting there as you suggested baking in the sun and what we're actually using is a is a lithium solid state battery um, that has a significantly better uh, performance than the traditional lithium ions they're able to withstand extreme heat conditions uh, and so we, we use that technology um, to, to basically get around the heat concerns um, you lose a little bit of a battery capacity total capacity energy capacity but uh, much much better uh, overall heat performance and um, so yeah we wanted to make sure that it was rugged but it worked as you said you can plug it out if for whatever reason you know you forget to, to bring it with you at the campsite and you're, you left it in your backpack and you're driving it's no problem the, the equalizer recognizes that it's in or it's out and then it, it adjusts and rebalances the sound distribution whether or not it, it recognizes that uh, in, in the center channel area um, it charges while you're going, and um, you know it's uh, IP6X uh, compatible, which means it's waterproof down to one meter for 30 minutes. If you happen to let it, you know, slip off your kayak, and uh, you're able to quickly get it before it gets too deep. So it's it's really meant to be, you know, uh, a portable, usable audio system. He just glosses over the fact that when you remove it and you leave it at the campsite of your backpack, the system knows it's not there. It reminds you. you no, know, it, and, it, and it puts the singer or whatever's in the center channel, it spreads it back out to left and right. So then you have a perfect soundstage, even though the, that speaker's missing. That's pretty trick. There's a lot of programming going on there. But does it tell you that you left it? Like, does it say, hey, uh, I'm missing a center speaker guy? I, I assume that you'd lose some of the, some of the staging, but... You'd know. You'd look, there's a hole in your dash. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. We're hoping that's self-obvious. But uh, yeah. Take us through the uh, the drive mode. So you've got sport, normal, eco. I was curious, and, and a lot of you know cars and trucks have those today. I was wondering, what do those things change? Because depending on the vehicle, they can do a lot or very little. In some cases, they just remap the pedal. It sounded like it. They these modes might do more in the 24 Tacoma. We have a five mode and a three mode. So most of the trucks are going to get the three mode, which is the eco and the sport. Uh, and in both of those cases, it will be the pedal map. Um, it will also be uh, the power steering uh, feeling, as well as uh, the. Do you do any transmission? Steering, do you pedal do, map. So you do transmission shift points uh, at yes, all, or no? Yes. Do. Right. Yes. Yes, I do. Yep. Shift points. Yep. Faster shift points. That's exactly right for sport mode. Sorry about that. Uh, actually, for sport and for eco mode. Then when you go to the five mode, which is um, typically with our, and that's almost uh, exclusively in our limited with the uh, adaptive variable suspension, then of course you, you add in the, the suspension component as well. So then still sticking with the interior, trailer backup mode. Mm -hmm. So you've got mm -hmm. a trailer backup mode, but it's not like what your competition is doing. This is for potentially shorter wheelbase trailers. So it, and I'm wondering how that yeah. works. Does it kind of slow down the steering input so you're not making, because look, how many guys have you seen at the at the launch ramp that can't get a single jet ski down because it's constant jackknife, jackknife, jackknife. But I, I'm, I couldn't picture how it would work. Yeah, no. So this is, it's actually very similar technology to what we actually have in Tundra. Um, there's been a few, um, I'll say, 
you know, slight improvements to the overall system. But yeah, what it basically does is it's, it's a feature that once you line up the trailer to generally the, the position that you want it, um, basically you can set that and then the cameras will look at the angle of the trailer and they'll actually go ahead and auto adjust um, the amount of input to your, uh, your steering. Uh, and you can, it'll basically uh, make sure that you back it completely straight. So it's looking at the, the trailer angle, uh, and it's basically putting in the input into the steering as necessary to make sure that uh, you're not jackknifing that, that, that trailer. So once you get it to kind of the point in the direction you want, you set it, and then basically the, the truck takes over and, and, and makes sure that you keep going straight. So wait a minute, this is a big disappointment. Now we're not going to see any new Tacomas on Qualified Captain. Instagram. <laughs> Take us through the uh, the camera system because you've also got some pretty trick cameras. We do. We have a number of cameras, and of course, that depends uh, on on the different uh, the different um, options that you take the vehicle. Of course, we always going to have the, the backup cam, um, but then we have uh, what we call PDM, which is on most of our uh, TRD grades. Uh, it is an option, um, but that's the panoramic view. So this is a 360 panoramic view camera system. So we've got the the front camera up in the grill. Got cameras in uh, each of the side mirrors. We have a camera in the uh, tailgate, and then we have one up in the chimsel. So the panoramic view gives you the 360 view. It gives you the ability to see uh, in front of the truck, uh, along the sides of the truck. There's about six or seven different camera angles that you can put up on your screen, depending on what you're trying to do. It's got the backup. The forward shows you where you're going to trace your pattern. It shows you along the sides, you know, basically where your wheels are. And then, of course, it'll give you a 360, uh, like, bird's eye view uh, of the truck as well. Uh, if you happen to be rolling down the, if you have the digital uh, mirror as well, um, and you're rolling down the, the the road and you want to check your load, you can hit the display and basically the camera will turn on in that upper chimsel and it'll look down into your bed so you can see what's what's going on with your load in, in the back of the truck. And then if you get the ORP, we give you we upgrade you to the multi-train uh, view, and of course that's great, right? Because as you're you know you're cresting a hill, it's basically got the uh, technology that once uses the front camera and the side cameras to uh, project uh, what the obstacle in front of you. And as you're sort of passing over, it gives you that sort of clear front end of the truck so you can kind of see as you move over that obstacle. Uh, it's great when you're yeah, Moab or, you know, coming up a big spline and you don't know if there's you're know, about to drive off to nowhere or, you know, if you have to bail to the right or bail to the left. Uh, great views. We're using high-definition cameras, so the resolution is fantastic. You pair that with our 14-inch, you know, basically audio screen our display screen, and, I mean, you get the, a really great view of what's going in and around your truck. We love it. It's almost it's almost cheating, um, but it really kind of shows you your tire path, uh, and you can look down and see where, you know, your tire is. So if you're really trying to avoid, for example, like a sharp rock, you don't want to cut the sidewall, great way to make sure that you got your wheels positioned in the right location so that you don't, uh, you don't cut a tire. You've got three shark fins on the roof. One is probably GPS, radio, whatever. The, the 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 two outer the two outer ones though, those are for yeah. wireless cameras. They are so that is an option that is not standard. Standard is the center one, and that's as you suggested. That's for um, all of the traditional uh, radio antenna and, and GPS, etc. The two outer ones are uh, an optional, and what they do is they are paired with our, our digital rear view mirror, and you can buy uh, as an accessory a uh, remote trailer camera. That can be attached uh, to just about the back of any trailer. And what that does is wirelessly transmit the view from behind the trailer uh, to the vehicle and is displayed on your, uh, uh, your rear view display mirror. And so you can see, you know, instead of when you look in the mirror, instead of seeing the trailer, you see what's behind the trailer. 
that's, that's that, freaking awesome. Yeah, that's that's freaking cool. Couple quick things, and then and then uh, we know. Thank you very much, by the way, for for carving out so Su- much time. Super for us. gracious to give super us so much awesome. time. So you're talking about like you're talking about like thrifting some of the pieces out to save money um, and save the customer. Um, you know, get them in a higher trim grade by by pulling certain pieces out. But then you go and do things like changing the tailgate skin on all the models, and then you have the roof of the truck. There's no way that was easy to create a die for when you're stamping the ro- the roof of the Tacoma is incredible. The way it swoops back like a fin, it looks like it was designed. I, I don't know. You, it's modern. It's industrial. It looks like you've future proofed it. But that there's no way that was easy to stamp. Actually, huge shout out to our body and production engineering teams because. What we really wanted to do, um, one of the design elements of Tacoma is we wanted to look fast when it was standing still. And so you'll notice, um, you know, compared even to like Tundra, where it's sort of um, you know, big and muscular and strong, we wanted to look athletic and agile. And one of that was to have this like fast swooping back, uh, basically call it a rear spoiler on, on the top of the roof. But we didn't want to have that, that gap or we would call it a material line in Japanese, but it's that, that, that seam, right, where the, where the, the spoiler meets the... Uh, meets the side member. So that actually is integrated directly into that side member stamping. And then we basically fill in between that with a, with a rear spoiler. That spoiler is there, honestly, for, for aerodynamics, uh, first and foremost, but it, 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 we uh, wanted to make sure it's part of the design element. Um, you know, as you get these trucks, they get a little bit taller. They, they have a bigger uh, you know, area coefficient. We want to make sure that that air is coming off and we want it to kind of come in and in, in basically, you know, not uh, become turbulent in the bed. So we wanted to kind of roll off and then separate. That's why you see the spoiler on the back of the tailgate. You'll see it on the, uh, on the top of the, on the roof. We want to try to keep that laminar airflow as long as we can. So it looks good and it's functional. So Sheldon, I wanted to thank you on behalf of fans of the platform and the company. You brought out a couple months back, you brought uh, a couple of Tacomas up to the SEMA garage. Holman, you were there, weren't you? I yeah. was. That's something that seems to be happening um, a little less these days. Some of the OEs are reluctant to share the product and, and, and have it get out there to the aftermarket companies where they're like, you know what? We're going to offer those products. You'll go through us to get them. Toyota, though, on the other hand, you brought the trucks out there and you say, bring out your 3D scanners, lay down on the ground and have at it. Like, check out this truck. And if you can come up with something cool, you're embracing the aftermarket as a company. And I think that's super, super cool. Holman talks about all the time. The companies that do the best embrace the aftermarket. Where do you stand personally on on that aspect? This is, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, it, it, we miss it sometimes in, in our talking points, but another core tenant of Tacoma, right? We said we have a Tacoma for everybody, but we know that we can't possibly produce every single Tacoma the way everybody wants. And one of the big things, especially if you think about overlanding, but just in, in the compact segment, the off-road segment in general, people like to customize the trucks. And so what we wanted to do, of course, we wanted to be part of that. And you see Trail Hunter probably is, is the best example of where we said, okay, how do our customers use their trucks? And then when we said, let's make some offerings that we can provide and trail hunter you know a lot of that stuff you can buy direct from the factory but the important thing for us was how we don't want to just compete with the aftermarket um because you know typically they can do things cheaper they don't have the same regulations that we have to meet so we look for areas where we could provide what we thought was value and so those were things that are more difficult maybe for the aftermarket to do so for example our partnership with arb bringing arb in for a rear steel bumper that we have on the on the pro and on the trail hunter being able to integrate that with our blind spot monitor with our rear sonar 
those are tricky. Those are really hard to do without getting, you know, uh, false reflections and, and readings. But working with ARB, who has authentic, credible product and, you know, great, uh, I'll say, reputation in the off-road industry, bringing them in-house, partnering with them, designing to our high-quality standards, and then the integration of our vehicle, those were areas where we had, you know, high synergy. So we saw this as really a, as a blue ocean opportunity for us. We wanted to say, hey, we've got an opportunity here. This is what we can do. We can bring this value to the, to the table. We can pre-design suspensions and things that are a little bit more difficult so you can work on accessorization, you know, of, of deck racks and, and, and tents and things of that nature. We're partnering with our, we call it our AAP, our Associated Accessory Products, with people who can provide that, those products to you. So if you want to go one-stop shopping directly to your dealer, you can roll it up into your financing, make it a little bit easier for you to afford. But on the same token, we said, hey, we get it. Maybe you you want you got your, the brand that you want, and that's not the, maybe the, the folks that we the folks that we um, that we that we work with. So even if we are not, you don't choose our particular. Uh, product, we want to make sure that the Tacoma is the platform of choice for you. So we have put in a number of, I'll say, provisions um, and uh, accommodations so that uh, you can pick whoever you want. So as an example, all of our rockers, we, we, we leave the, um, the weld nuts there. So if you want to put a, a different running board on, you can buy one from us. Great. If not, you want to find someone else, no problem. The, the accommodations are there. Same for the sliders in, in the frame. We've got those accommodations in place. You can uh, purchase a pre-wire kit with uh, three accessory switches. We've got a, a takeoff in the engine compartment, uh, inside the cabin, and back along the freight rail. All pre-wired for you, so you don't have to worry about, you know, drilling through the firewall or doing any of that stuff. And so you can buy our accessories, put them in, or you can buy your own and do your own work. So uh, to be symbiotic and to work with the aftermarket was super important, and that's why we wanted to have a presence at SEMA to basically invite people in and say, here's all new Tacoma, have at it, be creative, Let's let's uh, you know let's let's accessorize these trucks. The crowd loves you. <laughs> Listen to that. That's that's uh, that they're standing ovation for Sheldon Brown. Sheldon Brown. Sheldon Brown. Sheldon Brown. Hey, thanks for not ruining the Tacoma for everybody. <laughs> Can we? I think that's a good way to end it, right? <laughs> I, I think so, and I, you know, guys. I just, like I said, I, I hope that didn't come off of the sales pitch as much as it's like a, it, it's a, it's a point of passion for us. We, we just, we, we want to be the choice for folks, and so, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna fight you tooth and nail. Whatever we can do to make it a little bit easier, you know, we're, we're gonna do what we can. So hopefully, we, we thought about a few of those things. We, we try to think about really how our customers want to drive their trucks and use their trucks, and, and, and really want to make sure that it's. Um, it's a great experience because, you know, it's not just about the first sale even, right? It's, you know, sometimes the, the next owner of that truck, different aspirations, different ideas, different things they might want to do, right? So it's, it's, it's about a, a lifetime experience and engaging our customers across the entire life of the truck. Well, your, your, your passion comes out loud and clear. I think it's awesome whenever we have an executive from an automotive company come on and, and really be able to pontificate on, on their hard work. Uh, I know you guys spend a lot of time in the fishbowl where you don't get a lot of outside input, and it's fun <laughs> to finally release it and see what the world what, if the world sees it the way you saw it. Um, so I'm sure this is the fun part of your job now. Uh, we really appreciate how much time you spent with us on it. And there's, there's just, there's, I mean, we could go on and talk about Tacoma. The, the amount of changes and functionality and features and technology, it's a wholesale change for the truck. I mean, even uh, people will laugh, but everybody either loves or hates the traditional Toyota uh, small midsize truck seating position where your legs are more out in front of you, right? Well, you get in the new truck and it's got more of a traditional upright seating position and, and visibility is a little bit better and it's a little bit more comfortable and it, it rides nice and it, it it's it's very Toyota, 
but in a good way. And I think anybody who's used to a Toyota product will get into that truck, feel right at home, except they're going to have so much more than what they've been used to in that segment in the past. Yeah, I, thank you. Um, really appreciate it and, and, and taking note of all those things because, you know, the first thing we do is we look at what do we do well and then what do we do poorly and uh, or what can we improve, I guess, is maybe a better way to say it. We take that to heart, you know. Uh, we, we really, we, we, we're so fortunate to, to have the, the following that we have and we think we owe it to our customers to make sure that we continue to deliver a great product. So fixing those little annoyances, you know, raising the seat, the heel to hip like we like to think about it and making sure there's a little bit more headroom and making it a more adjustable vertical height adjustability as well as, you know, increase uh, telescoping and, and um, uh, movement of the, of the steering wheel, just to really get that, get fit people of all different body uh, types and you know shapes and sizes, and and that that, that was really a core tenant, you know, another core tenant of, of one of the things that we were going to fix. So drivability, um, you know, the, the posture and position, um, those are chief among them. Making sure that we kept garageability, all of those things were really important to the next generation and making sure that we got it right. From my early experience with it, I haven't driven everything yet, but my early experiences are, are incredibly positive. I think you guys did a, a fantastic job, and I can't wait to get behind the wheel. But uh, hopefully this whets the uh, or, or, or helps the uh, the appetite for everybody who's hungry for Tacoma content uh, listening to the show. And, uh, again, thank you so much for the time because uh, we know how busy you are, and, and we've been trying to get you back on for a while, and I'm, I'm glad we're able to make those stars align. Sheldon Brown, Chief okay. Engineer of the Tacoma. I want to talk to him for like two more hours, but I've got to, we got to let him go. He's going to pass out. But well, we, we have him back on. Sheldon, so. Sheldon, it, I don't know how often you're yeah. in L.A., but can we buy you a beer? Hey, I'd love to. We'll have to make it. Uh, we'll, we'll have to make that happen. So we'll get. Uh, I, I don't get to L.A. too often, but I'm in San Diego quite a bit because we Ooh. that's uh, we typically go. Um, we head into San Diego and we shoot down across the border to our, our, our Baja California plant there. So we're uh, we're actually in the process of launching that plant right now. So we'll, we'll make a drive yeah, for you. Happen, awesome! Thank you for carving out so much time for us. We really appreciate it, Sheldon. All right, Jens. All right, appreciate it. We'll talk Great. to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Sheldon. All right. Bye now. Holman, I'm looking at a stack of paper over there. I can only imagine that it's news, truck news time. Uh, let's uh, let's find out. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Solid. That was good. Solid. Yes. I'm not going to lie. Digging That's, it. Uh, that, was, that was really, really good. All right. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No! No. Nissan is uh, announcing at the Chicago Auto Show that there will be a Forsberg edition package available for your Nissan Frontier. So if you'll wow. remember- Chris Forsberg was the one who uh, used to uh, run in Formula Drift, but he uh, teamed up with Nissan for that really cool Nismo Frontier that uh, uh, won the 2023 Nora 500 race. So apparently you're going to be able to get a dealer-installed Forsberg edition package for the Frontier that includes uh, roof rack and light bar, rock sliders, Nismo lift kit and suspension components. So that's the Bilstein uh, 5160s in the rear and like a 6112 in the front. Uh, 17-inch Axis beadlocks on uh, Yokohama G-Landers, a Nismo catback exhaust, Forsberg Racing decals, and a Forsberg Racing badge inside. It's going to be a limited edition bundle. Uh, Nissan hasn't said how many will be available, but it should uh, be in dealerships toward the end of this year for any 22 and newer Frontier. Can you guess what that costs? Again, Lightning, that is 17-inch wheels. Yep. Uh, looks like a 33-inch Geolander catback exhaust. 
Nismo roof rack and light bar, rock sliders. Uh, it's a mild suspension lift. Looks like it's probably a, a couple inch. So if I had to guess here, Nissan is pretty economical. So I'm going to say seven thousand. Uh, nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, which is a pretty good deal for yeah. all that equipment. Yeah, and it looks great too. Like it's it's to me that's the way that truck oh, should damn. look. Wait, hold on, twist that a little more. That's good looking. Yeah, it's great yeah, looking. Well done. Okay. To me, I hope it hints at. That's a, cool that you can get right right off the dealer floor. Oh, totally. And and so Pro Four X kind of tops out on that Nissan Frontier line and lines up really nicely with the TRD off road. This type of package could really elevate the Frontier to go head-to-head with Pro uh, on the Tacoma side. I would love to see them doing it. I wonder if uh, this is one of the things where Nissan is just kind of dabbling in to see what the response and take rate is, but that's the Frontier I'd want right there. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Uh, Lots of recalls uh, in this uh, new segment. Are they RAM related? No. GM recalled uh, 323,000 heavy-duty pickups because the tailgates, uh, the electronic tailgate release switch, well, it can short-circuit and just randomly open your tailgate. Oh, no. Which is like more tailgate death on top of uh, jacks, trailer jacks and things like that. Can I tell you that I have a phobia about that? I'm not joking. Regardless of what truck I drive, I have a phobia of the tailgate opening hmm. and all my stuff just ending up on the on the freeway. That's a weird phobia. And I have it all the time. And it in as much as I love, love, love my EGR roll track, but it prevents me from seeing if the tailgate's open or not because it's because I got but, a tonneau cover but on. But don't you have a tailgate open light on your dash? Yes, but I don't trust it. <laughs> I'm yeah, it literally well, is telling you. Well, Do you trust your blinker? That's what a phobia is. Do you trust your headlight switches? Do you no. trust your navigation? I actually don't trust my headlight do, switches. Do you trust your I have to look blind at the wall. Spot? I got to oh drive against a wall to make sure they're on. The, who hurt you, Lightning? <laughs> you. <laughs> well, that's, that's possibly true. Uh, anyway, uh, GM says in documents there's 136 complaints. Uh, so that's not that many out of 320, <laughs> what, 3,000 uh, 3, pickup trucks. Uh, apparently, GM's going to tell owners uh, in the meantime... Check that your tailgate is closed and latched before they drive off, and then dealers will give you a new exterior touchpad switch. Uh, letters going out March 18th. So yeah. if you've got a uh, GM heavy duty, keep your eyes open for that weird recall. There's one dude in the accounting department that runs all the recalls. Oh, hell no! <laughs> hey, Lighting, did you hear? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, Okay, no, speaking hear. of recalls, this has to be the dumbest recall in the history of dumb recalls. Can I guess? Yeah, you probably already know. Can I guess? Yeah. Is it a, is it, is it an amber, uh, the, the, the side marker? No. Or falling out of some vehicle? No. Oh, okay. It's, it's certainly not the Ram grid heater issue, which, no. holy mackerel, we had two this week, Southern California trucks at Banks, both with failed grid heaters. See, I can show you a picture on my phone. And guys are like, how many videos and photos are you going to post of these things? I said, I can't possibly post all these, or you guys will think I'm making it up. There's so many. It's bonkers. It's coming. Like, Why isn't there a class action lawsuit? I said, because Ram is trying to dump Cummins and they're fighting. I don't know. What's going on? I, I don't know. But look at this thing. You see that stud right there? You oh, see yeah. the nut? Oh, it's yeah. not connected to the rest no, it's, of it's, the grid heater. That's not good. And so when Robert, our installer, grabbed this nut right here, ding, he, it, ding, ding, it, ding, flicked, ding. it flicked right off. Yeah. It was a day away from I rolling you, into the- I hope you show that to the owner and he probably gave you guys extra money. So Tino, the owner, 
uh, I did a little interview with him. He was he was kind of not really phased. He didn't really know how severe the issue was yeah. going to be because why would he? Um, what does a new Cummins engine replacement go for? Twenty grand. Is it twenty? Twenty grand. Yep, <laughs> exactly. And to fix this, they wanted sixty five hundred bucks. Ugh. All right. Uh, so going back to this recall. Uh, By the way, Monster Ram did it for a thousand dollars. Two point two million Tesla vehicles. Two point two million Tesla vehicles going back. All the way to 2012, which means for over a decade, they've all had this one problem, and just now it's become a deal. Is it political? I I, I don't know, but Jalopnik wrote a story that says officially all Teslas have been recalled. Right. 2.2 million, 2012 to 2024, including the Cybertruck, because the dashboard warning lights aren't the right size font. Like, come on. It's the graphics department at Tesla. So apparently the recall <laughs> states an incorrect font size is displayed on the instrument panel for the brake yeah, park and analog brake system warning yeah, lights. Total... As such, the vehicles fail to comply with the requirements of the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard number 105, hydraulic and electric brake systems, and 135 light vehicle brake systems. Whoa! Affects 2,193,869 Teslas. I mean, do you not just sit there and go, come on. Right? Right. Right. Uh, anyway, That's ridiculous. I, 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 now wait a minute. You said is it political? Yeah, because all the news is coming out with uh, th- that Elon Musk is forcing his employees to do drugs. To, are you seeing those oh stories? Oh my god! There's there's just a bunch of stupid what is stuff what's going on? I, How I, did the whole world love Elon yeah. Musk, and now that he's somewhat conservative, because, they hate him. And with by the way, passion. he's not a hardcore conservative no, at not. all. No, he's not. He's probably more moderate, like the majority of people. Right. I think. I think it that, is amazing that Hollywood has turned yeah. against him. He, he the pissed most, off the cabal, and they're coming after him. It's like now that now all the Hollywood elite. What are they gonna? They're gonna get rid of all their Teslas. What are they gonna well, buy? I, what electric vehicle well, are they gonna roll around in? Get Porsche take hands or something, I guess or something so. like that. Because I think what was the new one has like nine hundred horsepower and does zero sixteen two point three. Speaking of which, uh-huh. I'm going to turn the topic to something positive here uh-huh. for a second. We have to talk about solid state batteries. Porsche is using a solid state battery in these cars, and that's why the, the range is insane. But it doesn't seem to be getting a ton of press. There's only a couple of companies, one in particular, Quantum something. Um, well, hold, hold on. So we'll, uh, well, not, before not you start just let's espousing your half truths, let's, like, let's not go some, there. Do some research. Let, I'm going to do some research. Right. I am going to do some research. I'm going to get an actual expert on the show because clearly I know nothing. I think it's fascinating. Porsche is using a battery that seems that nobody else is touching. Hey, lighting. Did you hear? I don't watch the news because I'm a kid. No, so no, I haven't. In uh, more weird Tesla Cybertruck news, uh, if you've seen their um, wheels, they're actually a wheel cover that is stylized to go into the tire. And so this wheel cover covers the wheel for aero, and then it's become, look, it looks like the tires are part of the wheel, essentially. So it's the spokes like kind of touch the tire. Yeah, they uh, look like the, uh, the logo from the Umbrella Corporation from Resident Evil. Well, apparently uh, those wheel covers are chafing the tires and rubbing into the sidewall. <laughs> no way. Yeah. What? So uh, they can they can create autonomous driving, but they can't come up with uh, with, with an extra millimeter with, with, with of hubcap. They yeah. can't decide to bring it hubcap. So anyway, ap- apparently as uh, as they flex when they're driving, it can uh, you know, and the sidewall flex can force 
uh, contact, and uh, who knows? Maybe are they popping tires. Maybe it's nothing. No, not yet. Oh. I mean, I think there's they're just too new. But uh, it's something that all you uh, Cybertruck owners should keep your eye on because it could be uh, an issue down the line. Who knows? Maybe a new recall. Hey, Lightning, have you heard? No. No. Uh, remember we talked about Smith kit cars? That's S M Y T H, and they were doing like Volkswagen Utes and things like that. And we uh, talked about I, having them a long time ago, and no, we never I think did. I tried to forget them. Oh, did you try and forget <laughs> yes, them? Yes. Well, check this out. They're now taking the uh, 300 uh, C and turning it into a Ute pickup, uh, w- as well as the uh, Dodge Charger. A 300, a Chrysler 300 C. <laughs> look how weird that's, those things look. That's we should have them well, on because they're crazy people. Wait a minute. I want to hate that, but I don't. Why, I mean, why don't I hate I that? I don't know, because the 300C lends itself well to a pickup. It is. the So the 300C was a wannabe Bentley, but that's lowered. It's wider, and, and it's, here, it's and like a, a modern-day El Camino. Look. Now, wait a minute. That Charger is not stupid-looking. That's actually cool. okay. What? Look at that thing. It's weird. What? I don't know. I kind of want to huh. talk to them. It was on a li- I, our list a long time ago. And, I don't hate it. And we didn't, we didn't follow up. Or we did follow up and nothing came of it, and now they're out making noise again. And you're kind of going, like, this company does Beatles and Golfs and Jettas and even WJ Grand Cherokees. I mean, all sorts of... But I didn't... I mean, it was odd, right? Because they're turning all these non-pickups into pickups. So we have to kind of be interested in that. Subaru Impreza, Audi A4. But the 300 is like, kind of works. To turn your Chrysler 300... Into a pickup truck. Yeah. Can I will, guess? Well, yeah. Will cost you, what do you think? 5500 bucks. So uh, this is second generation only. So 2011 to 2020. 4490 I was close. I would go like, okay, let me just put it this it's way. It's a lot of work. Let me just put it this way. If a relative died and had a 300, it was just an old 300, nothing special. You do this. I would do this. Yeah. Too, just so I could have just a 300 pickup truck. <laughs> like I don't, I want to hate it. And yeah. I, I, it's impossible to. I can't. Let's talk to him. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. No. Mm-mm. Nope. Did you see the uh, photos that were going viral online about the Super Duty that uh, had a 24-foot uh, trailer attached and then uh, dropped down into about 22 feet of uh, lake water as it broke through the ice? No. Oh, huh, no, man, no, dude. no, no. No, I don't think I do. I want to see oh, this. Oh, it's so sad. I don't think I want to see this. I don't, what am I looking the, at here? That's the, the tailgate of a Super Duty underwater. Oh no! Yeah. Why was he on the lake? He's straight up and down. It's vertical. I think he was out ice fishing, and it just which is super normal because they people tow their ice fishing shack right through and right through the. And look at this guy in this TikTok video. He has a fishing, fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't think you're going to catch that fish. Uh, so what's interesting is I'm actually kind of more interested in the Ellis towing recovery and ice recovery. So these guys have like a jig that goes out on the ice and can pick sucking vehicles up out of it. And they posted it. Look at this thing. How do they? They, oh, rig, they rig it up. I'd love to talk to them and figure out like what's their business like. That reminds me of a mechanism that holds the sea containers that pulls them off the big kind of uh, like ships. But I don't know what. Anyway, I, I think this is one of those companies where we go. Hey, we have a weird truck podcast, and we saw that you have a mechanism for saving. Well, probably not saving. Probably too far gone at that point. But uh, pulling vehicles out of bodies of water on the ice. Kind of cool, right? How long could that conversation go, though? I mean, yeah, with that's us, what we do four or five episodes. <laughs> sure. Yes. Uh, line it up. Make it so. Hey, lighting. Did you hear? 
I mean now, now. I know this episode was uh, very Tacoma heavy, but apparently uh, Toyota is patenting all sorts of weird things, and uh, one of them is an air-filled pickup bed. So it's like a, a, a air bladder underneath a truck bed cover that can be used as a mattress, but also if you have your bed cover... And this inflatable thing, it holds all your stuff from moving around. Someone so called inflated. I deflated, right? Oh, no. So, so then your tailgate opens up and it keeps it all in there because it's all wedged in there. Do you think... Inflated yeah, has to have a has to have the patent, right? They need to... But it, but it says... They need to clap back. Uh, I'm, I, I, we should get our buddy Ken Hovey on the line <laughs> and be like, hey, Ken, like, what's up with this? <laughs> should, I'll text him right now. I'll be like, dude, this looks like you all over it. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Uh-uh. Uh, this was one that you must have heard about because I got it from you, but apparently uh, <laughs> GM filed their own patent for batteries with built-in fire suppression. <laughs> yes. yes. I love patents. So uh, they filed this patent application. It's a brand new battery design that has this passive fire suppression system built into it. And uh, they say that it was filed originally on June 6, 2022. And the patent application basically describes this battery design. Uh, so it's a housing that holds the batteries. There's a cell stack. And then there's fires, what they're calling fire suppression material, uh, while the battery cell stack has a uh, plurality, of, as they say, of battery cells with a non-aqueous electrolyte. What is this material, I wonder? And how does it extinguish okay. or, so or the, prevent? It goes on to say uh-huh. that the fire suppression material in the housing once it's exposed to that non-aqueous electrolyte, it's then, uh, I guess, absorbs or somehow retains that electrolyte within the uh, interior of the battery housing, and then it either prevents or inhibits thermal runaway uh, between adjacent cells. So that means anything to anyone who understands that. Go you. That's a really important patent if everyone is forced to use it because the well, at some point, so. I, I think they will because you've seen all the. Uh, Instagram reels and TikToks of runaway electric vehicles where the fire department's just sitting there going, we just got to let it burn to the earth. Yeah. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I don't think that it's quote unquote going to get worse. I think the awareness is going to get worse, right? I think, I think you know, there's been some videos out there where it shows a, a runaway thermal event and a flash fire inside some vehicles. And I think, uh, I think, that's just coming out. So, yeah, fire suppression seems like something that'll probably be mandated fairly quickly. Yeah. All right, Lighting, what do you say we read a few emails? Nope. I'm going home. No, it's fine. Let's do it. You email? Yeah. I email? Do it. We email? That's right. Everybody email? Type it up. You email? Proofread. Yeah. I email? Yeah. Send it. We Ooh. email? Ooh. Click it. Everybody email? I was really jamming there. That yeah, was fun. That was really. And you're weird. the one drinking the uh, the hard alky over there. I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm just, just relaxed. Uh, high on life. Here we go. This one is uh, called Short Form Show from Dan Church. It's got two emojis, two thumbs up. He actually does say, uh, "P.S. Love it." Keep doing it, boys. Can't get enough of the content, Dan. Awesome. Thank you very much for listening to the uh, the short-form shows. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think about the extra shows? Do you love it? Shoot us an email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to take your silence as a thank you. We love it.
Is that what you're going to do? I'd rather hear from people. (laughs) I would. Uh, Like our listener, Jason uh, Foss, who says, possible show topic, off-road recovery. Hey, Lighting and Holman, I've been watching a lot of Matt's off-road recovery online. I was thinking it would be neat to have them on the show. Just a thought. Five stars, and yeah, buddy. And uh, that's thanks from Jason. He says his old truck was 01 Ford F250 73 4x4 Super Duty, and his new truck was uh, new to him, but a 2018 Ram 64 2500 4x4 Tradesman. Five star review! Five stars! Yeah, buddy! Uh, we have asked Matt before, and I said, he said no, I, too small for me. I feel like I no, only do uh, huge not, shows. No, that's not what he said. I, I, it was as he was growing, it was probably several years ago, and he, he wasn't interested. I don't think... <laughs> he's not going to be any more interested no, now. No, he might not be. I, I I think he's kind of a shy guy who's kind of does his thing, and I don't Matt, think he's looking for a whole lot of uh, press outside of just doing a show he loves. Matt rolls through the SEMA show seven people deep. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. He's got a crew. We roll through the uh, SEMA show seven hot dogs deep. <laughs> So, uh, what does it say here? Our frontier spotting from uh, Scott Greider. Saw this one heading down the 465 in Indianapolis this morning. If you're still sending out those stickers, my address is blah, blah, blah in Greenfield, Indiana. Thank you, uh, Scott Greider. And Scott, here are, this is definitely a Nissan Frontier as photographed through your windshield. So thank you very much. And I am going to send you two stickers, Mr. Ooh, Scott. Wow, look at you, Mr. Generosity tonight. I'm put this over here on my backpack. First, it's uh, bullets and whiskey glasses, and uh, now it's two stickers for our audience. I got you. All right, got this one here from Jason Gaynor. says, Lighting Holman, your automated show producer, Miles, sounds very similar to Bernie McPartland on Kibbe and Friends. I have a tough time determining if it was your auto guy or if he is actually real. Looks pretty real online. Just say it. And that's uh, Jason Gaynor. Hey, guys, it's your producer, Miles. Hey, Miles. I'm real. I'm real. I'm real. Whoa, I'm whoa, real. whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, flip that lever. Lighting, flip that. <laughs> just make that. Got All right, it. moving on to the next email here uh, uh-huh. from uh, King Gladden. He says, uh, finally landed in the present. Hey, what's up, holy light? No! Says, uh, I'm all caught up on episodes. I've listened to every single episode, including the bonus SEMA episodes and Thursday Have You Heard shows. Well, this sucks. The shows or that you're caught up? Uh, he says, what am I supposed to listen to now? Guess it's back to audiobooks until Monday. Well, okay. Until then, five stars. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. I appreciate that, you, gang. I can hear you crumpling that on the air. I crumple all of them, and so do you. All right, this one's coming in from Todd Rusk. The title is 2024 Hoosier Truck Rally. And it appears to be, it's got a flyer attached to it. And yeah, sure enough, it's the Hoosier Truck Rally. It says, we're excited to announce the third annual Hoosier Truck Rally presented by M&M Exhaust Systems. It's going to be held August 10th, 2024 at the Wagler Motorsports Park in Lyons, Indiana. So I will take this information and I will add this to the truckshowpodcast.com events calendar for everyone to enjoy. All right. We thank you for your emails. Hit us up, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Still had a bunch more room. You could have kept talking. No? <laughs> the truck show. The truck show. The truck show. Oh, oh. Lighting, we don't talk over the words. No, that's called the post. Well, I was doing your part, and then you don't it slam was the post. That's, no, that's well, radio that's talk, tough. right? All right, listen. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. Lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. Don't forget to leave us a review on Spotify, on Apple. Lightning already told you. Send us your events. We want to figure out where, uh, what you got going on so other Truck Show podcast listeners can find you. 
And uh, leave us a uh, voicemail on the five-star hotline. That's 657-205-6105. And you know what's up? You guys have been getting mad with the sliding into the Lightning's DMs at, at LBC Lightning. I think I've made uh, about 10 deals in the last two weeks on Banks Parts. And we're wheeling and dealing, right? We're not wheeling we're and dealing. crazy idiots. No, we have a very special discount code. <laughs> it only goes to TSP listeners. So if you slide into my DMs or send me an email, however you want to get to me, let me know. And I've got a very special one-time use discount code just for you guys. So you're not stacking them deep and selling them cheap? No, that's uh, that's for Crazy Gideon. All right. Stacking them deep and selling them cheap? No, no. We, you ever uh, grew up uh, in L.A., you'll, you'll know. There's a Gideon's. guy apparently on the East Coast that did the Trying same thing. Trying to do the thing. same thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he was at the same time. Oh, he was Gideon's like long-lost cousin or something? No, they were rivals or something. Oh, like there was Gideon was on the West Coast. Clap and, and there was a guy in Brooklyn doing Sounds the like same the rap thing. wars. And they were using the same terminology. He was like, stacking them deep and selling them cheap. Like one was ripping off the other. All right. Hey, uh, before we uh, move on, I I want to mention, um, for all you truck guys out there, which should be everybody listens to the show, uh, I want to do a little solid for our friends over at RideTech. So if you go to RideTech.com slash sweepstakes, uh, you can enter a chance to win a RideTech performance lowering system for your current generation Ram, F-150, or Silverado Sierra. So all you have to do is uh, sign up. Uh, you can, again, RideTech.com slash sweepstakes, uh, and rules and everything uh, are, are on there. So I wanted to mention that for those guys. And if you want to wait, 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 stop, stop, stop right there. So this is just for the late model. This is not like what we have on Lockjaw, the old C20. Like, so so here's here's what I heard. I heard that if you don't have one of those trucks, there may be a gift card, so you can still partake. That's what what I heard. Because I got to say, the Ride Tech stuff. Pretty solid. Solid. That's what Lockjaw's rolling. Yeah. So uh, anyway, wanted to uh, mention that. And then, uh, by the way, Lockjaw, it's running. It's not only running. Eric drove it another mile. It didn't destroy the uh, the rear end again. <laughs> okay, it's well, got it's got lubrication in it now. <laughs> that tends to help. <laughs> never want to never want to destroy your rear end from lack of lube, uh, Lightning. So that, it's, wow. uh, never a good thing. All right, uh, you can hit us up on our socials at Truck Show Podcast. Also, shout out to Dave Graham who has been killing it on our socials uh, at Sean P Holman. At LBC Lightning. And guys, uh, we would love to have some more Know Your Notes. So uh, please, if uh, you've got some uh, cool engine sound or exhaust sound that you want us to guess, uh, send them in with the uh, title of Know Your Notes so we uh, can figure out how many of those we have. We are a mess when it comes to that. We're a mess. I, we're, we're a mess, mess in but, general. But, but it's fun. I got to be yeah. I gotta be honest. I think I we've really been pretty enjoy, good so no, far. I really enjoy it. My favorite one was there was the Toyota, a 22 RE, yeah. I think. And we guessed it. We were dead on. And- I think that was the only one we guessed. No, no, were there we, a couple no, others? We've been doing way, way good. So if please you have challenge us. We, I don't know that we want like tractors and stuff. We, it would be nice. Yes, that, do we? Yes, we want tractors. Absolutely. I would rather have no, a, a car tr- or a truck. Whatever, whatever. If it runs and it's weird, because we may guess something totally wacky, and then it's even wackier. Yeah. Do you send, have an international harvester? Go for it. If you have a Ford Nine N, I want to hear it. All right. You know what a Ford Nine N is. A Ford 9N is a tractor, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. A, a, an old gray tractor with red wheels. Mm-hmm. Doesn't so your cool. grandfather have one? My uncle has one. Oh, that's who it is. Yep. yep. Very cool. All right, guys. Uh, and one last thing for those of you who uh, love off-roading and off-roading magazines, uh, we're doing a, a discount code and promotion for OVR Mag. So head over to OVRMag.com, hit the subscription tab, and choose a free annual digital subscription 
or 10% off a print subscription that is delivered six times a year to your door. Use the discount code at Truck Show Podcast. How are you guys going to make any money? That's uh, you got a uh, your accountant is screwing up over there. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to try anyway. <laughs> That's not smart. Hey guys, it's Miles, your producer here. Hey, be sure to tune in this Thursday for the new episode featuring the Raptor guy that hucked his Raptor in that viral video, 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 video. Whoa, 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 play, play the audio, play the audio, just play the audio. Yeah, that guy. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.